Amen. All right, this evening we're going to be resuming our Bible study going through end times Bible prophecy. And we've been going through various topics, and right now we're going and uh, homing in on a specific subtopic of end times Bible, and that is going to be the beasts of Revelation. Now, last week I went over the four beasts of Daniel, and we're really going to be focusing on that a lot again tonight, and this is probably going to carry over into another week, because uh, there's just a lot here, and I think it's a lot easier. It's much easier to give it to you in bite-sized chunks. Uh, so this evening, we're going to be focusing again on the four beasts of Daniel, but our ultimate goal is to identify the beast of Revelation chapter number 13. Now, Daniel was an Old Testament book that had a lot of prophecies in it of end times Bible. So it's not just prophecies for, you know, just maybe 100 to 200 years after the time of Daniel or that era, but there are a lot of prophecies about the end of the world as the Bible refers to it as. So the four beasts of of Daniel last week we went over and uh, we didn't necessarily, of course, identify what what specific kingdom those beasts are. But what I did was I spent last week really uh, 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 unbrainwashing a lot of people or whoever you know is has maybe believed that particular teaching that's held about the what who the four beasts are and at what time they rule. Uh, the co- most common teaching is that they ruled successively, one after after the next. But the Bible actually teaches that they rule. Uh, at the same time, concurrently. They would be contemporaries of one another. And uh, this week what we're going to be doing is I want to define a lot of what the illustrations are in the Bible, what the analogies depict. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to teach you something that maybe you didn't otherwise know uh, before tonight. I want to begin here in Revelation chapter number 13. Look at verse number 1. It says this, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. I want you to go ahead and flip back to Daniel chapter number 7. And you might as well just go ahead and take your bulletin and slide it in there to Daniel, the book of Daniel. Daniel, particularly Daniel 7, is where we're going to be going back and forth. So right after the book of Ezekiel, Daniel, and then we're going to go to Daniel chapter number 7. Look at the beginning of Daniel chapter number 7 there with me at verse number... Let's look at verse number 2. It says, Daniel spoke, spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. So I want you to notice a very strong similarity here. In Daniel chapter number 7 here, we saw where there's the sea, right? He looks out and he sees, you know, the four winds striving upon the sea. So there's a storm arising. You know, I believe that that makes sense that it would depict troublous times. Now, during that, what happens is four great beasts, and they are diverse one from another, it says, rise up out of the sea. We look over at Revelation chapter number 13, which is the chapter of the beast, a very, very famous chapter. It's a very similar situation, and he's standing on the sand of the sea. This time it's John, not Daniel, and he says he saw a beast rise up out of the sea. So we can see this parallel here. Right? We're not going to dive into the, the comparisons between the beasts right now, but don't you notice that parallel? Now, the sea actually depicts something here. And that's what I want to do is I want to spend time here for a few minutes in the introduction of the sermon defining what these illustrations are. And the Bible always defines itself. We don't need to go to man's dictionary. We can use the Bible to define itself. Go over to Revelation chapter number 17. Revelation chapter number 17. And I want you to look with me at Revelation 17, 15. It says this, And he saith... 
And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So notice there that the waters are actually defined for you. And what the waters are in that case is its peoples, its nations, and its tongues, right? It's depicting all of the nations of the world. That's what it depicts. So when we look in Daniel chapter number seven, what we can see is that these four beasts, they all arise out of the sea at the exact same time. They are four great nations, four large, strong, and powerful nations that are ruling over different parts of the world. Now, what we can learn further from that is when in Revelation 13, how this one individual beast rises up out of the sea. What do the seas uh, uh, represent and symbolize? Peoples, nations, and tongues. When you look in Daniel 7, it's four nations reigning over what? Peoples, nations, and tongues. When you look at Revelation 13, you see one beast rise up out of the sea. What do the seas represent? Peoples, nations, and tongues. You know what you have? You have one kingdom. I'm going to show you that a beast is a kingdom. We'll we'll reiterate that quickly. But you have one beast or one kingdom reigning over the entire world. Now, when you look at Revelation 13, it actually teaches that to you. But in other places, it may not, like Daniel 7. And that's important to understand. In, In Revelation 13, it actually talks about... How that kingdom, how he, he, the, the beast is given power over all nations and peoples and tongues. So notice the consistency there when you compare scripture with scripture that it actually backs that up. That it's reigning over the entire world. This is a kingdom that's going to reign over the earth in its entirety. Now look over at Daniel chapter number 7. First I want to look at verse number 17. And as I said, I'm going to reiterate that point that these beasts, they represent kingdoms. It says in Daniel 7, 17, These great beasts, that's large is what great means. It's talking about their strength. They're huge. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Look down at verse number 23. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it. In pieces. Now, the other point that I wanted to go over was what do the beasts represent? Well, they represent simultaneously, at the same time, a kingdom and a king. They represent a kingdom and a king. I want you to notice in verse 17 that the beast is the kings. Each beast is the king, right? It's a different, four different kings. But when we look at verse number 23, we see that that beast is what? That fourth beast, specifically, is the fourth kingdom. That is because each one of these beasts... They are represented or symbolizing a kingdom, but they are also symbolizing a king. Why would it do such a thing? Well, a kingdom is, is you know, as strong as its king. When you think of you know, uh, 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 you know, the Roman Empire, you probably think of some great conqueror. You know, maybe Constantine or you know, Julius Caesar or someone like that. If you think of you know, the Greek Empire, what does everybody think of? Alexander the Great. Why? Because they are the ones that make the kingdom. That is, you know, he is the head of the kingdom. He's the one calling the shots for the kingdom. He's the one behind the wheel. He's the one controlling the kingdom. He is the figure or the picture of the kingdom. When you think of a nation or a kingdom today, you normally think of its leader. You normally think of its ruler. You normally think of its president, prime minister, whatever it may be. You think of its ruler or its king. So it makes perfect sense why that beast is represented by a kingdom and also it's representing a king. Uh, I want to go over, look down at uh, 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 Daniel 7, 23. I want to look at something else and focus on something else here. 
I want you to notice that these four kingdoms individually, and I somewhat pointed this out already, that they were not world kingdoms or empires, right? And this also plays in with what I had explained last week. You know, uh, these four kingdoms, many people have identified them, and really the majority has identified these four kingdoms as being four kingdoms or world empires that reign successively. You know, they believe that the lion, which is the first beast or first kingdom, was Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. They believe that the bear, the second kingdom, right, that had the three ribs in its mouth, they believe that that was the Persian, Medo, uh, uh, it would be Medes or Persian Empire, right? Then they believe that the third would be the Greek Empire. That is the leopard with four heads and had the four wings. And then you have the fourth beast, uh, and we're going to delve more into that, which is an exceeding great beast. It doesn't tell you particularly what animal it is here in Daniel 7. But they believe that that is the Roman Empire. And many people will say, well, the fourth beast, you know, is going to resurrect and uh, it's going to be the Roman Empire reincarnated, and that's why it's the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I demonstrated last week that these four beasts are not successive throughout history. They're all four alive at the same time. And I'm not going to go over those, those couple of points. You know, uh, that'll be on YouTube. But uh, these four beasts, they all are on the earth at the same time, and they're not world empires. That's important because that ties in with this. These four beasts are four beasts that reign on the earth all at the same time. And then one of the four beasts, the fourth beast particularly, it devours the whole earth. The others do not. So when we read the description of the three beasts, it never says that they reign over the whole earth. But I want you to look at what it says in verse number 23 about the fourth beast. Particularly, it says this, verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms. Now watch this. And shall devour the whole earth. And shall tread it down and break it in pieces. Now that is a distinctive to that fourth beast. That is distinct to that fourth beast. That's never mentioned about the first three beasts ever. So the first three beasts, they're just major kingdoms that are on the earth at the same time. The fourth beast arises, or this fourth kingdom arises, while those other three beasts are on the earth, or while those other three kingdoms are on the earth. We know that this is end times Bible prophecy because it specifically tells us that the Antichrist comes out of the fourth kingdom. So it's very easy to kind of line things up and to make sense of all this. If all four are on the earth at the same time, the fourth kingdom or the fourth beast arises while those three kingdoms are on earth. And out of that fourth kingdom, the Antichrist comes. Well, when does the Antichrist reign on the earth? In times Bible prophecy. So we can clearly see that Daniel 7, this is in times Bible prophecy. And I'm going to show you that real quick. And, and uh, I'm going to show you that this beast, the fourth beast, the Antichrist derives or comes out of that kingdom. I also want to show you and explain to you this other point. So tonight I'm kind of giving you techniques in Bible study. And it's very useful in, in end times. The reason why is because end times Bible prophecy uses a lot of illustrations. Uh, uh, so it's very important to understand the different methods of Bible study. I want to explain to you these overlaps because the Bible does this a lot. We saw it first with the beast and the kings and kingdoms. How that beast represents two things. A king, but it can also simultaneously be symbolizing a kingdom. Look here at Daniel 7 verse 8. It says, I considered the horns. This is the horns of the fourth beast. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, 
In this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Look at verse number 20 in the same chapter. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things. Notice that again. Whose look was more stout than his fellows. Look at verse number 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. Now watch this. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times, and the dividing of time. I want you to go over to Revelation. Back to Revelation. Make sure you keep there. We're going to go to chapter 13 again. Revelation chapter number 13. Look with me at verse number 5. Speaking of the Antichrist, it says this, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Now notice there again, it says, There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. What did the book of Daniel say about that little horn? What was going to be given to him? A mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. The exact same thing. So we can see here, and we know Revelation 13 is the beast chapter. That's the Antichrist chapter. This is about the Antichrist. So Daniel 7 is very clearly end times Bible prophecy. That fourth kingdom is the kingdom that the Antichrist will come out of. Also, we see that it says it was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. Now that is three and a half years. That's a time and times and dividing of time. So a time, one year, and times, two years, and dividing of time. That's half, right? You would take a time and divide it in half. So you put that other little pinky up there, half. That's your half year. Three and a half years is what you would have there, which would be 40 and two months. You can see this vast consistency where Daniel is clearly teaching about the same subject and the same beast of Revelation 13. Now I want to... Continue on speaking about this overlap and how this is very important because a lot of people can fixate and say, well, the beast is the Antichrist. It's not the kingdom. Or they'll say, the beast is the end times kingdom. It's not the Antichrist, right? Or they'll say, the beast is the little horn. He's not, you know, you know or I'm sorry, the Antichrist is the little horn. He's not the beast. And they'll, you'll get confused about these terms of who is the Antichrist and what is the beast, but there's a lot of overlap as we just saw a moment ago with the beasts and, and this symbolism in the book of Daniel and, yea, the book of Revelation. So here we see in Daniel, we saw the four beasts were four, four kings. But what were they also? They were also, at the same time, four kingdoms. We're going to see the same thing here in Revelation chapter number 13. Now, who were we speaking about here in verse 5? We were speaking about the Antichrist. And in Daniel 7, what, who was the Antichrist des- described as? What was he described as? A little horn when it spoke these things about him, wasn't it? This little horn came up on the beast. And what was, what was this little horn? He was on the beast and he was speaking you know, great blasphemies and great things, right? Well, here in Revelation 13, in verse 5, it's speaking about the beast. I want you to back up to verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And I'll, I'm going to explain all of that, you know, the, uh, the different heads and horns later. Look at verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. I want you to notice that. Who gave him his power and seat and great authority? 
the dragon. Right now we're looking at overlaps, okay? So the dragon gave the beast his power and his seat and great authority. And we know that this beast is a kingdom, right? That arose up out of the sea. But remember, it can be a kingdom or a king simultaneously at the same time. Look at verse 4. And they worship the dragon. I'm sorry, verse 3. I skipped verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. Now notice it's speaking his, right? That's a single individual person. It's personifying that now. Look at verse 4. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, watch this, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. Notice that when we get to verse 5, it's talking about the beast doing this. It's talking about the beast. That beast that we saw in Revelation 13.1. That's the one that has power to make you know, war with the saints. To blaspheme and to speak great things. And to continue 40 and 2 months. That's the Antichrist. Now, in in uh, Daniel 7, the Antichrist was the little horn. But we have to keep in mind that the beast can symbolize simultaneously a king and a kingdom. So what we see when that little horn rises is that is that horn rising up, which now is taking dominion over that kingdom, which is the beast. Now, what can that beast be referred to as? The king that's ruling it or the kingdom at the same time. So it makes perfect sense why when that horn arises, that little horn who is the Antichrist, when he goes into dominion, when he goes to power and he is now behind the wheel of this kingdom, which is a beast, that the kingdom would also now be labeled as being him as the king or being referred to as uh, himself also. So that's why we see there... The beast in Revelation 13 is simultaneously the kingdom that is reigning over the whole earth. Remember, the seas represent the whole civilized earth. He's reigning over the whole earth. That's the kingdom, but it's also the king of the kingdom itself. So you can refer to that beast as the kingdom, but you can also refer to it as the king itself. That ties in with what we saw in Daniel 7. The exact same thing went on there. The beast was the king, and the beast was the kingdom. So notice that overlap. Real quickly, and just kind of parenthetically, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I want to show you some more overlap. Uh, because, I, you know, when I study these types of things, I get a pen and paper out sometimes, and I write things down, just jot it down real quick, so that I can kind of picture it, because it's a drawing, you know, it's an illustration that he's painting in your mind, and there's nothing coincidental, incidental, or accidental. It's all there for a reason. Just like we found the, the definition of the sea being the whole earth. You can do that with everything here. Everything is there to to symbolize something. It comes from the mouth of God. But if you go back in Revelation 12, I want to show you something very interesting as well. Look at verse uh, Revelation 12, verse 1. We'll read it. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. I'm not going to touch on that right now, all that symbolism, but I want you to look at verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon. Now watch this. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Now, a couple of things just happened. There's a few things that happened. Number one, I want to focus on 
the the duplication or, or, or another time where the repetition of this uh, uh, you know overlap. Because just a moment ago in Revelation chapter number 13, we saw that beast. And what did it have? Seven heads and ten crowns. We have that same beast being spoken of here. And it actually identifies that particular beast. And you know what it says? And, and I'm going to go over the differences. Because there's a few differences. And we see this beast in different stages. And we'll lay it out and why he's described a little bit differently here and there. Because there's reason for that. It says that he's a great red dragon. If we look over at Revelation 13, it tells you though that the beast is given power from the dragon. You notice that how there's a distinction here, but then there's also this overlap. Well, who do we know that the beast is? He's the Antichrist. You know, I preached a sermon a few weeks ago on who the true identity of the Antichrist is, and who is he? He's Satan in the flesh. It's the devil in the flesh. So what we see here is that this beast, this seven-headed beast, this, this king who is the Antichrist that ends up reigning over this kingdom over the entire earth, he is the great red dragon in the flesh. So that's why that overlap exists there because that beast is actually the great red dragon or the devil. I'm going to show you that that is who the great red dragon is. We're in there in Revelation 12.3. I want you to look at Revelation 12.9. It says this now. And the great red dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So notice the great red dragon was cast out, and it's who? It's the devil. The great red dragon is the devil. And here what we see is that that great red dragon is Satan, and he's described as the same way as the beast. And who is the beast? It's the Antichrist. Who is the beast? It's the kingdom of the Antichrist. You know what that teaches and tells you? That the Antichrist will be the devil in the flesh. Now the whole purpose of the Antichrist is that he's coming to imitate the Christ. And who is the Christ? He's God in the flesh. You know who the Antichrist is? It is the devil in the flesh. That is who the Antichrist... That's the, that is the identity of this coming man who is the Antichrist... Just like I was God that came in the flesh, Satan will also come in the flesh. So that's what that's meant to teach you there with that overlap as well. And there's another thing that I want to focus on here. Uh, uh, let's look over at, at Revelation, Revelation chapter number 13 once more. And I want to look at, a, there's a couple minor differences here. Uh, so in Revelation chapter number 13, you're going to notice that it says that in, in verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Then if you go back over to Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 3, there's some minor differences. He says, And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. Now watch this. And seven crowns upon his heads. Did you notice that? How many crowns did it say that he had in Revelation 13? Ten. Now I'm trying to confuse you right now because we're going to put these pieces together later, but I want you to notice that there are clear differences. There is a, there's, there's something to learn from this. This is not the exact same situation here. It's the same beast, but there are changes or transformations that take place with this beast. What it is is this is the same beast in different stages. Now another thing that we learn here 
is that we actually learn the identity of the fourth, fourth beast, specifically what animal the fourth beast is in Daniel 7. I want you to go back to Daniel chapter number 7. And I, I talked about this for a few minutes last week. The first beast is a lion. The second beast is a bear. The third beast is a leopard. And the fourth beast isn't described specifically with a name, with what type of beast that it is. We're just given a few different details about it. <clears throat> but one thing in particular uh, uh, that we can learn from Revelation chapter number 12 that's very, very important is the identity of that beast. And what it is, is it's a, it's a great red dragon. So that fourth beast, that fourth kingdom that arises on the earth is actually a great red dragon. I want you to look here, and I'm going to show you a difference between these two beasts, though, and how it's changing. Just like we saw the difference from Revelation 12 to Revelation 13 with the kings and the kingdoms. I want you to look at uh, uh, Daniel 7 with me. I'll read to you from, from Revelation 12, and I want to point something out to you that you may or may not have noticed. It says this, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. So notice there that it, it specifies that it has what? Seven heads and ten horns. Then it goes on and it describes this. It says, and seven crowns upon his heads. Notice that's plural. Seven crowns upon his heads, plural. So he, there are seven crowns that are distributed throughout these seven heads that this beast has, right? Well, Look, at, look with me at Daniel chapter number 7, and we looked at this last week, just kind of refreshing it and reiterating these points as we go. Verse 20, it says, speaking of that beast, it says, and of the ten horns that were in his what? Head. In his head. So I want you to notice there that the horns here are in his what? In his head. Now when it described those seven crowns, those crowns were upon seven horns, upon his seven heads, Right? And then we see something reiterated in Revelation 13 that's very similar. But I'm, just, I'm showing you this to demonstrate the fact that it's not just a coincidence and it's not just leaving out that it says head or heads. It's not just that it's being vague is my point. It's, it's being, being very, very specific. The fourth beast of Daniel 7, what it is is, and I'm going to kind of get into a couple of things that I'm going to be going over and this is going to spill into next week's sermon on Sunday evening. It's that beast in different stages. And what I'm going to go over now is the very first stage. And here in Daniel chapter number 7, what you see is the rise of the fourth kingdom. You see that fourth kingdom actually coming into power and coming into existence. When we look at the beast of Daniel chapter number 7 and the fourth beast of Daniel chapter number 7, you see the rise or the origination, the inception of that kingdom coming into existence. Look at Daniel chapter number 7. I want you to look with me at verse number 7. It says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. Now watch, it devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were, watch this, before it. So notice it's arising during the same time on the, on the earth, but it's coming just immediately thereafter. It was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And then it says, and it had ten horns. So when it originally arises, this kingdom, it says, has ten horns. Look at verse 8. And I, I considered the horns, and behold, watch this, 
there came up among them another little horn. And that would be eleven. Before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Now, when we look further, you know, uh, we see some other details about the fourth kingdom over there in verse number uh, uh, 19 again. It tells us in Daniel 7, 19, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others. It says this, Exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. Now, it doesn't use the word dragon here. We find that when it's described in Revelation chapter number 12. But it's very clear what's being described once we look at it in light of the book of Revelation is that what this beast is, is it is the great red dragon. We can see that it has you know, iron teeth. Right? It says that it has it is nails of brass, right? It's talking about the big nails that it has. It says that it devoured and break in pieces. So it's obviously a much greater or much more powerful beast or animal than the other three, than the lion, you know, uh, than the bear, than the leopard. And then, of course, you have the dragon is, is what I'm saying is much more powerful. Or It says it's exceeding great or exceeding large, saying it's much larger than the other beasts. In verse number 7 over there, it says that there were ten horns originally on it. So this kingdom exists for a period of time, and then it says after that that there's an eleventh horn that pops up. Then that eleventh horn arises. That's the little horn that arises within that kingdom. So the three kingdoms, they're going to be on the earth. They're going to be here and on the earth. And then during that time, there will be this fourth kingdom that will arise on the earth. There will be a fourth kingdom that will come on the earth. And there will be, in its inception, there will be ten kings, it says. Because that's what those ten horns represent. I want you to look with me uh, over there at verse number 24. It says, And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings. So on this beast, it has ten horns. And each of these horns represent a king. So within this kingdom, and this is one individual kingdom, there are ten kings. So this would be ten powers or or ten separate governors or governments, uh, however you want to separate this out. And just to give you an example of this, if if maybe that sounds odd to you, um, if we look at the symbolism in Revelation 12, 1, it describes a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, right? And what does she have on her head? Crown of what? Twelve stars, right? So what does the crown represent? Kingdoms or princes, right? Kings, princes. Specifically, what does it represent? The twelve tribes of Israel, which goes back to the twelve princes of Israel, would be those twelve men. So that's how this is being described as well. There were, and of those... Of those 12 tribes, they always had a representative like ruler. They were always, they would choose out different rulers who were the heads of the tribes. And these were the head as in the representative, right? You know, and that's what the heads are representing here as well. If you think of the horn and the head, right? And you just think of, you know, we use that word because that's what, you know, uh, is what is in power on our body. If you describe it as, you know, your body. So these horns are representing each of them a king. And then another king comes up, an eleventh king arises within this same kingdom. This is the fourth kingdom, so don't get this confused with the other three. There are ten kings, 
within this fourth kingdom that is going to be on the earth simultaneously with the other three kingdoms. And this eleventh horn or eleventh king arises. And when he does so, it says that he defeats three of the other kings. So that's very important as well. We'll read it in both locations here in Daniel 7. Look at verse 8. I considered the horn, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. And it says this, Before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. So he says three of the first. That's saying three of the first ten were plucked up by the roots. Now, that's, as I said, the Bible always defines itself. We don't need to go to man's dictionary. We just use the Bible to define itself. Look at verse number 24. It tells us, it says, And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, watch this, and he shall subdue three kings. So what does it mean when he plucks up the other three horns by the roots? Well, we actually see, and it's being interpreted for us now, that what he's going to do is he's going to subdue. He is going to defeat these other three kings. They're going to be totally removed. That's why it says plucked up by the roots. They're completely gone. They're totally gone and removed, right? They've been subdued or defeated. So that is going to take place by the Antichrist when he arises. So this is the first stage of this kingdom. This is the very first stage of this kingdom. And when the Antichrist is defeating those three horns, this is the Antichrist rising to power. And this is kind of us transitioning into stage number two. So what we see now, I want you to notice that this red dragon has one head. This exceedingly great it's just a dreadful beast because it's not, you know, just your average beast. It's like a, you know, it's like a massive dinosaur, like a massive dragon, right? It's not just your normal animal. It's not like a lion. It's a dragon. So he sees this great red dragon and it's terrifying to him and it's large and it's huge. It has one head at this time. And with on that head or on top of that head, it has 10 horns when it arises, at some point, there's going to be another horn, another king that arises, right? And that king is going to defeat three of the other existing kings. It's going to defeat three of the other existing kings. Now, this could possi- possibly be, and I'm not really necessarily at this point throwing out any you know, uh, uh, theories or anything, but maybe it could be something of sorts like the United Nations, where there are ten kings within the United Nations, and maybe it, it forms some other you know, stricter alliance, more so than what we have today, where laws are passed through the United Nations, and these ten representatives are these ten kings. And one of them arises within that kingdom, you know, at this point after it had devoured the whole earth, and this kingdom is reigning over the whole earth at this time. So keep that in mind as well. This kingdom is reigning over the entire earth at this time. Right? And that the Antichrist will arise during that time to power. This is him coming to power. Once he's behind the wheel, now he's the beast. I want you to think about that. That's why. Doesn't that make perfect sense? Now he's behind the beast. He's the king of that beast. He's basically riding the beast, if you will. He's the horn of that beast. He's the ruler of that beast. So now, when you're speaking of the beast, you're speaking of him. And when you're speaking of the beast... You're speaking of the kingdom because it's his kingdom. He's the one that dictates and writes the decrees and makes the laws and the decisions for that kingdom. So this is his rise to power and now he's ruling. The second stage is that continual uh, uh, taking over of the world when he goes forth to conquer. So the Antichrist rises to power. We saw that there, verse number 8. We also saw in verse number 24 how he defeats these three kings. 
But then we see him going forth in the second stage, and he's going forth and he's conquering the world. Now, this is, what I'm explaining to you right now are the different stages of this beast. These are going to make up these minor differences. This kingdom and the Antichrist grows in power. That's why you see these differences. That's why it begins with one head. And we're going to get to where it gets the other heads from. That's why it begins with ten horns and then another horn pops up and the other three are destroyed. You see this transformation going on with this beast or with this kingdom because it's growing in power. Now we have the Antichrist taking hold of it. And the Antichrist is not satisfied with the way that the kingdom is. He goes forth and he begins to conquer. And I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter number 6, verse number 6. Revelation chapter number 6, verse number 6. We're actually going to uh, end here in Revelation chapter number 6, verse number 6. And we're going we're gonna to pick back up next week you know, studying this. And we'll go through all the different stages of the Antichrist, the beast, the kingdom, and how it transforms and changes. This is uh, the other... We're not going to look at verse 6. I'm sorry, it's verse 2. It's Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. This is the other description. So, Revelation chapter number 6 here... We see the Antichrist going forward, and he's described as being on a white horse. This is the beast. This is talking, excuse me, about the same beast of Revelation 13. Look at Revelation 6, verse 2. It says, And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth, watch this, conquering and to conquer. Now the result of that is more war, bloodshed, the other horses that follow after. That white horse and you know him being him having a bow and having a crown, right? That is him imitating the Christ. That's why this is a, this is exactly how the Lord Jesus Christ comes back later, except when he comes back, you know, he defeats all of the 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 enemies, all of Satan's minions and then he sets up peace on the earth, which is obviously very different than what the antichrist does when he comes. One of the main, main uh, 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 trigger, triggers of this particular verse right here that tells us who it is and helps us identify him is that it says that, and a crown was given unto him. What is that saying? What does a crown represent? Authority or power, right? Authority or power. So it says a crown was given unto him. Well, it says this about the beast. <clears throat> In verse 4 it says, and uh, I'm sorry, verse 2, at the end of verse 2, it says, And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. What you're reading about in Revelation 6, verse 2, is the Antichrist, after he's already come to power, he's already defeated the other three kings that are within his, his kingdom. That's the fourth kingdom. That's that, that red dragon. You're reading about him now going forth to conquer the rest of the whole world. To conquer and subdue all of the other kingdoms and bring them under his feet. And that power and that great authority that is given unto him, that, that crown that is given unto him in Revelation chapter number 6 verse 2, is speaking of the same authority that is given unto the beast, who is the Antichrist, that is given unto the beast in Revelation chapter number 13. So right now we're leaving with the second stage. So first we looked at the first stage. The first stage was just this, this beast rising up. And originally it has what? One head and it has ten horns. And there are ten crowns upon those heads because those horns represent kings. After a period of time, while that beast is on the earth and it's a great powerful kingdom, there's another eleventh horn, a little horn that it says, that rises up out of or within that kingdom, on that beast. That uh, 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 little horn... Or that king, he ends up 
subduing or plucking up by the roots three of those other kings. Right? So there would be just seven and then himself. That would make eight. Now that's going to be very important to remember later. So I'll refresh some of this. Right? So he defeats three of them and now he is in control. That's what took place in at that moment. Now he, he is in power of this beast alongside with these other seven. And then stage number two, and we're just going to kind of work our way into this. Stage number two is, with, is where we see that little horn visible. Stage one is just the ten horns. It's just the ten horns, what we see in Daniel 7. Stage 2 of this beast is where the little horn is there, and then there's just seven other horns alongside of it. And then we're going to get into, there's going to be a few other stages that we'll look at of this beast transforming, and we'll look at Revelation 12, Revelation 13, and explain all that. And it'll make perfect sense to you. Some of it may have been confusing tonight, but we'll put the whole picture together. You know, I may even get some, you know, some illustrations up here that you might be able to look at, have Brother Hall maybe draw some, you know, figure out who's a better artist here and draw some pictures for us. Uh, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue this. We're going to resume the End Times Bible study next evening, next Sunday night. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the depths. Uh, we thank you for just revealing these things to us, dear Lord God. We ask you that you would guide us with your Holy Spirit that we might understand your words and, and be prepared for these things when they come. Uh, we also ask you, dear Lord, that you would uh, keep us safe and if they happen in our lifetimes that we might be able to uh, endure through the tribulation, dear Lord God. Uh, we thank you for our salvation, dear God, and we ask you that you would just be with each and every person that is here today. We love you so much and in Jesus Christ's name, amen.